People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. I'm excited about the program tonight because in the studio with me is someone I've known for many, many years, and I've always known him as Des and Dawn. Des Lindbergh is here and has just released a book called Des and Dawn, Every Day is an Opening Night. So it's been described here as both a deeply personal memoir and a glimpse into their socio-political activism. Every day is an opening night, documents the joys and challenges of a lifetime in South African theatre as musicians, performers, songwriters, stage designers, managers, impresarios, and ultimately legends of the entertainment industry. And this book traces the duo's 55-year career, can you believe it, 55 years, from singing folk songs in the Troubadour Coffee Bar in Johannesburg to taking their folk on trek shows on tours across South Africa and what was then Rhodesia and producing and performing in major musicals all over South Africa. Highlights of their story include their controversial multiracial production of Godspell, the duo's legendary Sunday night soirees, and the founding of the annual Naledi Theatre Awards, now in their 18th year. Des, it's a great, great pleasure to have you here. Welcome, welcome. Well, it's so nice to be here. First of all, <laughs> I haven't seen you for quite a while. No, I have I live you. far away. I live in Joburg, and now I live in Plettenberg Bay. You do. How long have you been, I was going to ask you, because you had that grand house in Johannesburg up in Parktown on the ridge. We used to, yeah, we used to hold uh, musical soirees there, many of them classical, many yes. of them chamber I came music. to a few. In fact, I think even introduced one or two yes, for you. Yes, you did. You did That's indeed, right, yeah. gosh. And you're much missed. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. But then you decided to pack up and go to Plet. Uh, we did, and we, we took that decision very carefully, but not carefully enough because we hadn't yet sold our house in Joburg to, to where we'd moved from Houghton. So uh, there was a few tense moments when we wondered whether we were going to be able to afford to buy another house. Okay. But we bought another house, and Dawn made it beautiful. Okay. How long have you been then in Plet? Two years. Is it two years now? Mm. Okay. Almost exactly. And also, Plettenberg Bay is so different from Johannesburg, so my obvious one of the first questions I want to ask you is, what are you doing now? Are you still busy? Are you writing? Are you singing? You know, Rodney, since um, uh, the tragedy that happened to our duo last year, mm. um, I have spent those 10 months working on this book, um, not writing it, but structuring it, um, adding to it, uh, not subtracting because Dawn had done a lot of writing, I'd done a lot of writing, and we wrote the book as a dialogue. Yes, between, I noticed that. You have Des and Yorbit and Dawn yeah. and Herbert all the way through the book. Yeah, and our voices do deal with different topics. Yes. You know, social activism sounds very grand, but the fact is that's sort of my department, and, and Dawn mm. was much more the, um, how shall I put, impresario in music. And in the musical field. Yes. And and together we, we were a good partnership. We never did the same job except sing on stage. And how long were you married? 55 years. 55, the same length as your yeah. co collaboration. In fact, we'd been singing together for a year before that. So oh, okay. it was 56. 
My goodness. And um, I hope you don't mind me asking this question, but it must have been a terrible blow for you because we everyone knew that Des and Dawn Lindbergh were like one, that you were desperately in love with each other all along. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'm the luckiest man alive to have been married to somebody of, of the absolute quality and 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 genius of Dawn. Dawn never regarded herself as a as a primarily uh, a musician. Mm-hmm. She she learned to play the guitar because I insisted she did because we were going on tour and she oh. went to Dietrich Wagner, the classical guitarist. That's right. to famous, learn. famous Dietrich Wagner. Uh, he oh, who came to Stellenbosch eventually mm-hmm. um, and, and she learned properly from him. So if you saw Des and Dawn on stage with two guitars, you'd notice that Dawn's hands were in exactly the right <laughs> position, a la Yepes and yes, John Williams yes. and, and my hands were in the folk position with the little finger resting Sing on, <laughs> but, right. but we both played guitar, and yeah. somehow or other it worked. And I'm interested that you actually got her into the music world. Really, had she sung or danced or anything Dance, before that? Yes, she was a great oh, dancer. Yeah. She she always said she wasn't in the ballet because she was too tall, but she she was a statuesque, um, physically mm-hmm. uh, fit person all her life. I remember the last time I saw her, which I don't know when it was, a few years ago, but it was here at Artscape. There was some, I think it was a Peter Doreen opening, and you and Dawn were here. And I remember not having seen you for a long time, thinking, gosh, Dawn looks not a day older than when I saw I know, her all those I years know. ago. She, she weathered very well. She yeah. weathered very well. In fact, you know, um, she remained recognizable. Well, I gently moved into <laughs> white hair and white beard. <laughs> yes, and when you see pictures, this book, by the way, and we'll get back to that in a moment, is filled with the most wonderful pictures. It's a compendium, really, isn't it, of the history of folk music in South Africa, the pictures themselves. And, you know, Rodney, we were extremely fortunate because we were we were living in an era when some people seem to think that, that everybody who did folk music were hippies. Well, we were kind of folky, you know. I used Dawn, to think that. <laughs> Dawn wore uh, kaftans and yes. bare feet a lot, and uh, and we tell stories in the book about uh, our first encounters with uh, proper bookings, gigs, at venues where where music was heard, and mostly it was cabaret music. So we had to learn to do kind of the cabaret thing as well. So Dawn would have helped you with that by oh, yeah. being oh, a yeah. bit of a mover, a bit of a dancer, oh, I should yeah. say. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, as I said just now, um, and then I, I sidetracked myself, you are still relatively busy. You said you've been sorting out the book, but any singing, any playing? Well, uh, to be quite honest, the thought of flying solo is awful to me. Mm, I can understand. So at the moment, um, I'm not. Right. I did one unaccompanied Donovan song last week. And and that even that was quite tough because it was a song that Dawn used to sing solo, mm-hmm. um, and it's called "Be Not Too Hard," mm-hmm. um, and and it's a beautiful song. But otherwise, I've done very little in that regard at all. Um, also, you know, um, my my guitar playing has has become a little. St- Tilted by <laughs> being older. <laughs> yes. I used to be very, very dexterous. I used to play quite well, mm-hmm. um, though I'm self-taught. 
I've never had a music lesson in my life. Good grief. Yeah. It's hard to believe, actually, that you're 80, if you don't mind me saying that. One doesn't sort of imagine Des Lindbergh being 80. <laughs> well, I look in the mirror and I find it very hard <laughs> to imagine that I'm 80, but not because the mirror tells me I'm younger, but because I can see in the mirror that I am 80. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, listen, I'm intrigued to know what sort of music you're going to share with us, Des. What is your first piece going to be? Well, it's a song I wrote called Here We All Are in Africa. Wrote it with uh, with some other brilliant musicians, and uh, I wrote the lyrics of it, and and they put together a nice arrangement of it. And Dawn and I loved to sing this. In fact, it was very often our opening number, and it's all about what South Africans like to do, apart from watch rugby, to go to to go to the bush, um, to do peaceful things around a campfire. And uh, I like the song, and and Dawn loved it as well. Are you performing it here? Absolutely. Oh, good. Here we go. From the banks of Umfonosi, last rays of the sun, kiss the sky and bid goodbye. The night has just begun. Smoke from countless cooking fires hangs above the ground As the waking cries of hyena choirs wail a mournful sound The spirit of Mother Africa is everywhere around The dancer's feet and the cowhide drums wait to shake the ground Sisters in the bounds of a mighty tree. The music of our people, it is for you and me. Sinamada, Sinamada, Sinamada. From the hill at Sea Clawis, timeless rocks look down, and the cry of peace wraps the night around. So it is. And so it was when Stone Age man was strong In the wildness of this wildest place He heard a peace song The relics at that Stone Age site Are silent but for one The ancient cry that splits the night Peace is hunting song Here we are in Africa the men they live and die There's a party tonight in Africa Beneath the African sky Sinamata. The spirits of the ancestors In the boughs of a mighty tree The music of our people It beats for you and me Sinamata. 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 In the bombers round the campfire Strangest yarns are heard Fearless old adventures As coffee pots are stirred Stories of the hunter And the cunning of his prey Of bravery and courage And a dog who had his day Each raconteur embroiders 
one what he says be well Competes with his companions for the tallest tale to tell Here we are in Africa The men may live and die There's a party tonight in Africa Beneath the African sky The spirits are the ancestors in the boughs of a mighty tree The music of our people touch of folk music, genuine folk music here on People of Note on Fine Music Radio. Here we all are in Africa with Des and Dawn Lindbergh. Des is here and we're talking about his life with Dawn, their lives together and their book Des and Dawn Every Day is an Opening Night which is, I have to tell you, one of the more enjoyable books I've read more recently. But um, Des, let's just go a little bit sort of chronological at the moment, Mm -hmm. even to before you met Dawn. And you told me the story about your lecturer saying, no, you must sing. Has music always been important to you? It has. And and at school I formed a band. Oh, right. And uh, the band was short of one brass player. It was a five-piece band, but everybody did everything. Mm -hmm. And so I stole from the National Armory at my school, St. John's, a trumpet. <laughs> I'm and sure you borrowed it and not didn't well, steal it. Well, I, I did return it eventually when the inspector came to say, where's the trumpet? <laughs> but I learned to uh, to finger it and to play it reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly I played guitar and sang songs. Yeah. And, and it was fun. And did you start writing quite early as well, writing songs? I used to write a lot of a lot of verse and um, poetry and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, poetry has always been very, very important in my life. You know, I, I became well known for poetry which had something to say about South Africa at the time. You did, indeed. If I could mention that uh, there was a, a South African poet called Olga Kirsch, who was a Jewish lady. In 1935, she wrote a poem about South Africa. She since that went to Israel to uh-huh. live. And the poem said the most remarkable. Can I, can I do a little bit of the poem? Please, 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 please. She said, Die fundamenta van die fort was fries, en haat het die dure een vir een gesluit. Nou loer die bouwer dure skiet gaat uit en hy durf die meerskrif achterom nie lees. Now for someone in 1935 to see that the United Party government at that stage and later the National Party government was going to put everybody in a blockhouse with their back to the wall and they couldn't read the writing on the wall behind them was an incredibly prophetic thing for her yeah, to have said. 1935? 1935 she wow. wrote that. And, and she was Jewish and that is, that is so extraordinarily interesting to me mm. That, mm. Uh, that she was writing in Afrikaans. She wrote a lot of poetry. Gosh, but the book, uh, I'm pleased to say, 
has a number of your lyrics in it. Yes, it does, yeah. Um, and I was reading through some of them, and obviously they're very beautiful. There's a, there's a lovely one about Dawn. I just can't remember which one it is at the moment. Can yeah, you? well, I, I wrote her uh, some love songs. That's right, it was a love song to Dawn. But it certainly is, you can see that this is written by someone who knows about poetry. It's not just sort of lyrics, you know. Well, you know, I, I, I look, obviously, being a folky, yeah. I've always admired. I think Bob Dylan was an, is an incredible poet. If you read some of the lyrics he wrote, when he was in love with Joan Baez, mm. he wrote the most beautiful love songs, uh, some of them very sad. Okay. Um, there were others as well, uh, Donovan in, in the in U.K., and, and of course, um, uh, some of the other writers, uh, like uh, Don McLean. Yes. With Vincent. Yes. A beautiful poetry. Absolutely. But, um, Des, when did you get hooked on folk music? Well, it was a time of Woodstock. Mm-hmm. It, was a t- it was before Woodstock that I got hooked on it. But it was, it was a time when, when all you needed was to be able to play adequately, not Excellently, an instrument, a guitar happened to be my choice, and a, and a harmonica. And I never did blues, though. The mm-hmm. harmonica was always a melodic harmonica. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I loved to do that because it gave me a way of doing a melody line uh, in, the, uh, in the pauses, you know. <laughs> yes. And uh, we used to strap them onto our, onto our shoulders and then That's right. puff away at them while we played the guitar. I had a 12-string guitar at one stage. It was a beautiful, beautiful guitar made by Van der Geest. And I had two Van der Geest nylons. And then I went on to a steel-string guitar. In latter years, I've been playing a Yamaha and, uh, and Martin guitars. And I've got about eight guitars, and they're wonderful. They're good friends. They must be. That's a lovely way of saying it. It's an instrument you carry it around with you, not like Absolutely. a piano. Absolutely. And you hug it. Yes. Yes. I know, and you probably know of James Grace, um, yeah. our friend. Uh, he, when he performs, and he's very tall, and it looks odd, actually. He's, he hugs his guitar. Absolutely. Uh, Tessa Ziegler as well. I'm very close mm, that's friend right. of hers. Tessa's. And she has continued to play. Long after her acting career stopped, mm-hmm. she continued to play guitar. She's still playing. And and she's so beautiful and lovely to watch, lovely she to listen is. to. And, and she's very unpretentious about her music. She'll talk about the compositions and, mm-hmm. and how uh, lyrically they, they fitted into what she believed in music and what she still does. And she has a house in Plett, and I'm hoping to see her this Christmas. And that was, in a sense, another tragedy, wasn't it? Because she worked with David Hewitt, whom I got to know quite well. And he died relatively young, didn't he? David... And Tessa both went to Fritz Buss to learn guitar. Mm-hmm. And Fritz Buss was a famous teacher very in much Johannesburg. So, very much so. And uh, he very seldom performed, but he taught people. And David and Tessa both learned from him. And the strength of David's technique was so remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he truly was a, a very good guitarist. He came out of being a rock guitarist into yes. being a classical guitarist. And a, a very nice person. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. the two of them were inseparable as a, a musical partnership. Mm-hmm. And then David got Alzheimer's and died, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a, a huge blow. Yeah, yeah. Now we're going to have some more music. Mm. What's next on your list? Well, I've got a little story to tell around this one. Yes, I please mean. do. Uh, very quickly, we were doing yeah. a corporate for Saul Kersner, uh, launching things at Sun City, and we had booked the Soweto String Quartet, and they played the Paschal Bell Cannon.
And while they were playing in the rehearsal, I walked up behind them and I started to sing Streets of London, which has the same chord structure <laughs> as the Pachelbel Canon. And the, all four musicians turned around and looked and said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it was a rehearsal. And you'll see it actually fits rather well. So what, it, what I'd rather like to do in this musical interlude is to play a little of the Paschal Bell and then just crossfade to uh, our streets of Hillbrow, we called it. Is that based on the same song, Streets it, of London? It's very much so. Ralph McTell must have loved the Paschal Bell as much as I did because he wrote that song for So what are we going to do? We're going to play a little bit of a Paschal Bell as it is. Yes. As it's just original. Just a few bars. And then crossfade to your version. That would be nice if you can. Yes. I'm, I'm sure you can do that. It's wonderful engineer you've got here. <laughs> yes, Ewan. It's up to you. Here we go. Down market, kicking up the paper with his worn-out shoes. In his eyes, you see no pride, and held loosely at his side. Yesterday's paper telling yesterday's news. So how can you tell me you're lonely? And save for you that the sun don't shine Let me take you by the hand And lead you through the streets of London Show you something to make you change your mind Skinny, cold, and hungry, their clothes all in rags. 
Streets of Hillbrow, mm. based on the Pachel Bell Cannon. How about that? Yes, and in between was, of course, Streets of London right yes. by Ralph McTell. Okay, well, my guest today is Des Lindbergh, and one of the reasons you hear Des, among millions of reasons to talk to you about your extraordinary life, is your book, Des and Dawn Every Day is an Opening Night. But I just want to go back now to meeting Dawn. It was at university, wasn't it? And I think from what I picked up in the book, you fell head over heels in love with her within minutes she, that wasn't hard she was she was a, <laughs> a very gorgeous and very vibrant person yeah, yeah. um and uh, w- we had two stories connected with our meeting and got to getting to know each other both of which are true dawn liked the lyrical one we met in the back row of the chorus of the vagabond king rudolf frimmel yes 
Uh, while someone was singing only a rose in the front of the stage, we were at the back and I was giving Dawn a rose every night in a university production. That was her lyrical story. My story was less lyrical and more political. We were on a march together in academic dress, protesting against 90-day detention at the Johannesburg City Hall. Mm -hmm. And we marched through the streets with all the clergymen and members of parliament and heaven knows who with us, the students as well. And we were attacked by uh, people who didn't approve of our political stance. They threw eggs at us. Not the police, the public. Well, first the public. Yeah, yeah. Not the public. Actually, the people that the post office employed over the road who yes. were on their lunch break and threw their hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what happened then was the Tuckies arrived in buses and they came charging us like, like a rugby phalanx. Mm. And the police arrived to stop the Tuckies attacking us, but they threw the tear gas at us. Oh, goodness me. I kicked one canister back, which a cop who'd thrown it caught, and it went off in his arms. <laughs> <laughs> he said <laughs> laughing. It was a very, very <laughs> exciting time, um, and Dawn regarded me as her knight in shining armor because I pulled her away from the awful thing that was going on, yeah. and she was 16 years old, and I dabbed her face with the, with my academic gown dipped in, <laughs> in, in in the water fountain at the library. And and so that was my story. But they're both true, and yes. we got to know each other well. And may I use the cliche, the rest was history. How long did it take you to propose and get married? Oh, minutes. <laughs> no, um, no, we didn't get married right away. Well, she was young. She was 16. Oh, of course, yes. And... Um, she was on a bursary from uh, from the Department of Education, right. and they made me pay the bursary back when I'd proposed to her, which she made me pay the money back to the, the government because they were now not going to sponsor somebody who was married. And I was asking the question, would they have preferred that we'd stayed unmarried and still cohabited? Oh, dear. It was never answered by anybody. No, I'm sure it wasn't. Des, the troubadour uh, was a major uh, starting point. It was what, uh, by the sounds of things, a little kind of almost run-down coffee shop in Dornfontein or you know, in Johannesburg itself. It was. It was in Dornfontein. It was on the left bank of the railway, which the famous critic Oliver Walker coined the phrase. Um, it was very small. Held mm-hmm. about hundred people at absolute maximum, yeah. um, and it it had one toilet and, and a, a little kitchen at the back. We used to serve food, and we used to serve coffee, and we had wonderful, wonderful artists there. Um, we had all kinds of people who played and sang, groups and soloists. Uh, in Lawrence, a lot of people will remember was one of our best performers there. Uh, Dawn and I performed there. Leon and Mike. Leon Rabinovitz now lives in Sydney and is still playing guitar. Wow. And still going to the folk clubs. And it was it was an amazing place because the night that they the government of the time banned the song uh, "We Shall Overcome." Mm-hmm. We sang it for 90 minutes with the audience, nonstop, Good with grief. new verses being thrown in by anybody <laughs> who felt like it. My goodness. And on a lighter note, Des, in your book, you've got the menu printed on the blackboard. And listen to this, a toasted cheese tomato for 25 cents, <laughs> half a baby chicken in a basket, 45 cents, <laughs> 25 cents extra if you wanted, chips, spaghetti bolognese, 50, curry and rice, 50 cents, juice, coffee, 25 cents. 
with cream, 35 cents. Remember those prices. Now, yes, I do, and that's remarkable because uh, I'm as old as those prices. Um, (laughs) if, If anybody works it out... When those things cost that, was a long, long, it time, was a long ago. time ago. Gosh. Anyway, let's have another one of your your choices, Des. Another. I'm in, constantly intrigued by the music you're sharing with us. Well, inevitably, I've always loved guitar, and I've always loved guitar played by people who are much better than I was ever at <laughs> guitar. And I love John Williams, and I love uh, Julian Bream, and people like that. And Dawn and I had a favourite piece of music, which was the slow movement from the Villa Lobos uh, Guitar Concerto, and uh, John Williams was our favorite player of that. Okay.
the slow movement of the guitar concerto by Hato Villalobos, and that recording featuring John Williams as the guitarist there. Certainly a very famous guitarist. Des, Des Lindbergh is my guest here on People of Note this week on Fine Music Radio. Des, we spoke about the troubadour and what a major sort of stepping ground that was, but one of the really big things in your life was Godspell. That was a yes. big thing, wasn't it, in many ways, negatively and positively, negatively as regards the government. Absolutely. We, when we had toured for a long time and done a lot of satire about the government and so on, we, we never got tired of it, but we knew we needed to take a new direction. Mm -hmm. not, not a sanitized direction, but a new direction. And we wanted to do a musical. We heard about a musical called Godspell, and it was on in an amateur production in Harare, or it was then Salisbury. Mm. So we flew to Rhodesia, and we, we saw it there, and we fell in love with it. Immediately applied for the rights, and the rights holders came back with a very interesting option for us. They said, yes, you can have the rights, provided you have a multiracial cast and a multiracial audience. Oh dear. Now, in South Africa, this was exactly what we were hoping they would say. <laughs> because now we realize... But you weren't allowed to have... Well, we weren't, but we were contractually obliged to if we were going to do it. Oh, I see. So we took the step of going into exile in Lesotho. And we did a five-month season in Lesotho, playing every night, six times a week, uh, performances, um, with a cast of ten and a band of four. Did people come? Oh, yes. And that was the extraordinary thing. There were petrol restrictions at the time. Mm -hmm. And people drove from first uh, Fixburg and Bloemfontein, and then they started coming from Johannesburg and even flying from Cape Town. But you see, it was helped by the fact the Holiday Inn at the, at the time was building a convention center, um, a small one. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we modified the design of the uh, conference room to have raked seating and to have a lighting grid and a bare stage, no curtains, which was ideal for Godspell. Mm. And we took the lot down there. We rehearsed it on our lawn in Joburg because we couldn't find a rehearsal room that would accommodate multiracial cast. And then we, we took it to Maseru and we put it on. And we were more than five months in Maseru, um, which is quite a small town. But... Obviously, the people came from over the border. Yeah, gosh. And then it was performed in South Africa, wasn't it? And you got into trouble. Well, we brought it back, Rodney. We, we, we brought it to South Africa uh, on the pretext that we were going to play it only for the convocation of, of our university, Wits University. But the convocation of that university includes the dean of the faculty of parking as well as the cleaners. And everybody else who wanted to come, all they had to say was they'd been at Wits or they loved Wits or they, and they got the tickets and we sold the tickets out and then they banned us before we'd done our opening performance. And to cut a long story short, we went straight to the Supreme Court. We appealed the banning. We had a wonderful advocate called Anton Mostert, who became a judge later. And uh, he won the case for us and told us, go on the road, go to Natal liberal bench if any more trouble happens i'll be there for you <laughs> good what and a lovely we story won the case and that was in in brief what happened mm -hmm. but it was very exciting very exciting. i'm sure but you had some naughty plays uh, vagina monologues sex tango fox start blues yes <laughs> you <laughs> you sort of taunted the senses didn't you well you know rodney i don't know if you have uh, the sense that I have that no folk singer ever overthrew a government. 
<laughs> and therefore the government was really fearful of something <laughs> that was really not very not very awesome mm-hmm. um, as a threat to them, except in the awareness of people because people were laughing at them. Yes. People were laughing when Forster was saying things like, we haven't got a crisis. Yes. <laughs> now, you know, everyone knew we had a crisis. Yeah, yeah. Including Forster and the others. That was a very good voice for Forster. Yeah. Well, you know, he always, you know, Helen Sussman met him in the passages of Parliament one day, and she said, oh, for goodness sake, John, smile. And he said, I am smiling. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the famous stories of old E.J. Foster. And the other thing that caused a um, problem was the Black Mikado, which was a kind of adaptation of the Gilbert and Sullivan comic opera, wasn't it? Absolutely. In fact, the score was was a jazz score Mm -hmm. uh, originating in Britain and beautifully written for a six-piece orchestra, a little orchestra, which was on stage for the whole, for the whole production. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was, I was the only white man in the show. Um, all the other people were black people, and um, I was playing the part of Van der Puba. Oh, Puba. yes. I was going to say, I hope and you weren't the executioner. As no, the no, 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 no. That was Sammy Brown. <laughs> oh, right. But um, uh, to be in, a, in an all-black cast touring the country, mm-hmm. and it was 1976, and when we reached Peter Maritzburg, the trouble started in Soweto, oh. and it was right over the uprising. Right. That the trouble started. And I'll never forget this night. I sat in a circle on the stage at warm-up and I said, Cast, we're not going to warm-up tonight. You have the option to tell me you're not going to do the show tonight. Most of your children are in Soweto. And we discussed it for half an hour. They said, can we caucus? And they went aside and they came back and said, nothing will stop this show. (laughs) I'll never forget that. Yeah, gee whiz. But you've also had some wonderful experiences. I mean, I would have loved to have seen you and Spike Milligan on stage. Oh. I'm a huge Spike Milligan fan, oh, me thanks too. to the goons and all that. Me too. I loved Spike, and we became very, very good friends. In fact, Dawn and I went to visit him in Rye just before he died in England. And uh, he was very, very sweet and charming and wonderful and funny. Mm. He was He was insanely funny. He was very spontaneous. And the book tells... Uh, four or five stories. Yeah. I once got stuck on stage when Spike lost himself out the back of the theater, took a ride in the car, and I, I was supposed to do eight songs, and I ended up doing 13, and the stage manager telling me, well, Spike isn't here yet. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> and there are pictures of Spike as well in the book, and you and Spike on stage. Absolutely. Gosh. Yeah. And was he as manic as you sometimes see in television interviews? Do you know, he admitted that he had a dual personality and mm. was somewhat manic. Mm. One night he slept in a wardrobe. That story's in the, yes. in the book as yes. well. But what a joy to work with him. Absolutely. And he and I became, yeah. I, proud to say, very good friends. Oh, no, excellent, excellent. Okay, another piece of music, Des. Yeah, well, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm looking at the guitar repertoire, and uh, there's a beautiful piece. There's an artist down here called Avril Kinsey, yes. um, who you'll know of, and, and John Silver, Dawn's brother, had a duo. And they did a beautiful um, uh, set of albums, and one of them has a, has a, has a Cuban dance on it. And uh, I thought it would be nice to play the Cuban dance, uh, which uh, is a very lively piece of music. It's, it's a guitar duo, and John used to build his own guitars. Mm-hmm. 
I hear what you mean by energetic. You say a Cuban dance that was. Yes, and and you know, beautiful piece of guitar duo playing. Mm-hmm. John Silver and John Silver and Avril Kinsey. Wow. There's another choice from my guest on People of Note this week, who is Des Lindbergh. And Des, there's so much I want to talk to you about, and time really races away. But I'd like to talk a little bit about that beautiful house. Remember we spoke about your house mm. on the ridge, Longnor it was called. It Longnor was a beautiful house, house. was, was uh, what we moved into when we could not easily afford anything beyond a caravan. <laughs> and uh, we'd been in a caravan for three years. And uh, we got this marvelous house. And it had a hall. It was rather like a chapel. Yes. And it had big windows at the end. And a grand staircase. And a beautiful staircase Mm. and uh, oak-paneled walls and beautiful acoustics. And we started to do very informal little concerts, which we then called soirees. And we had no furniture. And there's a lovely story. The one person who came to all the soirees uh, was a guy called Gert Hirschfeld. And after he'd been to the first soiree, he phoned me next morning and he said, "Um, there's a truck coming to your place. We're delivering a 100 chairs. It's a gift from me. Because everyone had sat on the floor. (laughs) And that was how we started the soirees. My goodness. And they went right through, didn't they, until you left? 35 years. Well, 25 years, actually. Mm -hmm. We'd five years into our occupancy of the house, which we owned. Um, We were there for 35 years. But 25 years of beautiful music mm. choirs uh, string quartets that's right the odd little orchestra right. the youth <laughs> orchestra Gerard Corsten conducting that's right. it that's right wonderful stuff and I wonder if you remember this this is a bit out the blue I remember and correct me if I'm wrong that on Springbok radio you and Dawn I think did a little jingle about the news of the day oh yes what, what happened there was Nick Taylor Oh, used yes, to do yes. uh, 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 the Calypso once a week on the news program. Thursday night, it was called, That's Thursday right. night Calypso. And Nick often had gigs, as he still does. <laughs> He's still living up the West Coast and a great friend. And he used to say, won't you deputize for me? And I said, yeah, I can do that. I used to go in and I used to do uh, write a little lyric around uh, Paddy O'Byrne's news bulletin. Mm-hmm. And then right there in the studio... We would record it right away with a guitar. And I remember that from, it had a little name as well, but I can't um, remember what it was. Thursday night, Thursday night. Deadline Thursday Deadline, night. That's yes, what that's Deadline, that's what it's called, yeah. Thank you for remembering. Well, there's a lot to remember here because the other thing I must talk to you about is Dawn's founding of the Naledi Awards, which was another big thing in your lives, wasn't it? It was, and Dawn had the vision to do it. She decided that there was not enough recognition being given to all kinds of artists in South Africa, particularly the stage artists, particularly the theater. Mm. And uh, the sponsorships had run out. The sponsorships had wound down from the banks and so on. And so we tried to get sponsorship, but Dawn, with her very determined personality, founded the Naledi Awards. And we're now in our 18th year. We've kind of skipped a year because of um, COVID, Mm. where there was no Mm. theater to judge. But we've still got, um, I'm on the board, and we've still got 36 judges actively going to everything. And, and pronouncing upon it and, and, and then voting at the so end. So they are going to continue. They're going to. It'll be sometime in, in next year. Yeah. yeah. 
Just as we near the end of our uh, program, just on a personal note again, you've got children, grandchildren, haven't you? Yes, Joshua married Zareda Jardine, mm-hmm. and they begat two beautiful <laughs> children. Um, uh, Shire, who is the younger one, uh, he's a boy and he's St. John's, and little Zaria, who is not so little anymore. She's blossoming into a 12-year-old, 13-year-old teenager, right. and uh, right. she's at St. Mary's. Okay. Um, but they are, they are toying with the idea of living in the Cape. Ah, okay. Well, it's good to have you in Cape Town, by the way, Des. I know you were here for your book launch, and um, I must just say once more what a lovely production this is. It must have been a labor of love because it's beautifully put together, the pages, the paper, the pictures. So congratulations, and I'm very good to have one, and I want you to sign it for me in a moment, please. What a pleasure that will be. <laughs> but before I let you go, you're in a good space, are you? you you're working to some extent, and you're in a good I, space. I, I am in a good space. I, I've, got, I've got thoughts I want to do. Dawn is an artist, a painter as well, a very good one, and a mm-hmm. graphic artist. And I want to uh, even consider publishing a book of her works, because a lot of people don't know about Dawn's art. Uh-huh. She spent so much time on theater, music, and touring. Um, that uh, I think the world deserves to know she could also draw and paint. Okay, well, good. And there are some of those in the book, aren't there? There are a couple, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, Des, it's been great to see you again after so long and to chat to you. There's much more we can talk about, but everything has a time limit. Well, as in Pippin, everything has its season, everything everything has has its time. Show me a reason and I'll show you a rhyme. There's the poet in you again. What is our last piece of music? Ah, well... You know, I, I had to sort of decide whether to play Asturias played by John Silver, but I couldn't find a recording of it. Okay. But then I thought to myself, why not the folk medley? Oh, good. Which bundles up a couple of songs that we used to do together. Okay. And I call this little medley The Way We Were. Okay. And that's you and Dawn. Yeah. Des Lindbergh, it's been a treat. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much, Rodney. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself.
fontaina Varis prang, boka sprang, eni bles, boka bles, eni bur, boka bur, eni berger Diges is van die slang het in die bok, en hangen waar die klokken tellen tot met die tanden En die lucht daarvan en lukken, en die aas voor ons aas, en die knor aan het knor en die kransen Die getop van kokkerkies en die appelietiepossies, die geschinder van die lossiese voorten Waar die pluk, spot als pluk, en die pakken wij net pak ons, is allemaal aan diezelfde boorten Well, here's to you, my rambling boy. May all your rambling bring you joy. And here's to you, my rambling boy. People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Mm-hmm.